Welcome to the Second Students West podcast. We're so excited that you chose to listen with us today. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you can know when we upload new messages. We are continuing in our series called Fit. Ryan kicked it off talking about how in order to live spiritually fit, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read just two verses tonight. So as you turn there, it'll be on the screen behind me. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Before we jump in, if you would pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. God, thank you for the incredible people that have walked into this space tonight. God, I pray tonight would be all about you. God, it wouldn't be about anybody else. It wouldn't be about a band. It wouldn't be about a person talking, God. But tonight, that each human that has walked in the room tonight, God, that they would get to experience you and what you have to offer them, God, in the way that you love them. God, I don't know what people walked in here with. I don't know what people walked in here thinking. But God, I I pray that you would clear it out of their mind, that they would focus in tonight, because I truly believe that if this generation of students and this generation of people can get spiritually fit in 2019, God, that we can see incredible things happen in our city. God, we know that when we get spiritually fit, that, that you then work and incredible things happen. Father, tonight, let it be the start for some people. God, tonight, let it be another step for some people, God. And tonight, let it be a night that's all about you. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So spiritual fitness is what we're talking about on Wednesday nights. And some of you showed up, even went the extra mile and showed up on Saturday morning to do some physical fitness with us. And I just gotta be honest, I designed the workout and it was really, really hard. Me and Taylor are like running these 200 meter sprints and we are dying while Jake Hill is just like running by us up and down the thing. It's just, I'm like, dude, Jake, calm down. Hunter, you did too. You ran by us too. But, but on Saturday mornings, we're giving opportunities to, to deal with our physical fitness. But on Wednesday nights in this room for the next few weeks, we're going to deal with a thing called spiritual fitness or becoming spiritually fit. And why is this so heavy on my heart? I think fitness is heavy to me right now. Um, It might have something to do that I'm getting married in 37 days. I'm a blessed human. I don't know why she... (laughs) Seth stood up. He didn't think think we were ever going to get there, I don't think. God bless you, Bailey. (laughs) But seriously, physical fitness is a big part as I prepare to get married. But truly, I'll be honest with you, I'm not really worried about physical fitness, and you're like, you should be, and I'm like, I'm not. But I'm really more worried about mental and spiritual fitness. Why? Because like I said, I'm getting married in 37 days, and I can barely take care of my dog, never mind another human being. So I'm just going to say I'm a little bit nervous. Am I getting cold feet? No. But am I nervous? 
Yeah, I think it's a healthy nervous is what I keep telling myself every day, that I'm just a healthy nervous. So if you would, if you could pray for me, that would be awesome in these next 37 days. And as I say that, actually, if you would pray for Bailey uh, in these next 37 days, because she's the one that has to put up with me for the rest of her life. So she needs prayer. You're like, amen. So I say all that, one, to say, babe, I love you, and then two, so we can jump into the text right now, and Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, therefore, comma, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If you're taking notes tonight, I encourage you to, over the next few weeks, we're going to get a lot of points as we walk through this. Um, the first one here is therefore. Every time you see therefore, it probably it, it, what it does is it refers back to the chapter before or the sentence before, and that was Hebrews 11, which is known as the Hall of Faith, um, kind of like the Hall of Fame, but we made it Christianized, so we call it the Hall of Faith. So if you haven't read it, you need to, and that's all it's referring to. And then it's talking about a great cloud of witnesses, people who are cheering you on, and, and it's, it's a difficult passage to, passage to kind of maneuver through, but just know that there are people on this side and the other side of heaven that are looking at you and me in my life and saying, hey, I'm cheering you on. I am for you when you think people are against you. I am with you. It's been done before. The race has been finished by people before, and you can walk and run in faith with Christ for your entire life. Then it's comma again, and this is what I really want to preach on, and, and you're like, you haven't started yet. No, I haven't, so get ready and buckle up. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, period. And as I read this, I am challenged and encouraged for two reasons. The first reason is, is I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit to make it work how I want to. You're like, can you do that with the Bible? Not sure, but I got the microphone, so that's how we're going to do it tonight. Um, it says, let us throw off, I'm going to skip the everything that hinders part, and I'm going to say, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. I hope this is encouraging to you that there is sin that easily entangles us easily entangles us. The idea of this behind this is that the craftiest serpent ever on the earth, he has crafted sin in such a way that we are easily entangled in it. It gives me courage tonight because when I step into sin sometimes in my life, it encourages me here to know that it is easily entangling, that, that I'm going to sin. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we are going to sin. So if you're in sin tonight, I want to give you some encouragement if I can. It's okay. It's not okay to stay there, but it's okay that you've stepped into it because basically you are easily entangled by it, meaning that it doesn't take a lot of work and it happens to us often. But I also love the word easily and why, because I believe that easily entangles us, but it's just as easy, if not easier, for us to step out of sin than it is for us to step into sin. It's easy for us to step into sin, but the truth about Jesus is this, that it's easier for us to step out of sin than it is for us to step into sin. So if you're in sin, just sin is a big word that means bad things you've done wrong, struggling with something all in your life and around your life that you can't beat, I would tell you this, that just like you stepped into it, you have the power inside of you to step out of it. 
And it takes two things. It takes us confessing to God that we've messed up, that we've broken down, and that we got caught in the trap. And then we confess, and God forgives. So no matter what you've walked in here with, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you did 10 minutes before this or 10 years before this, I'm here to tell you that just as easily as you stepped into your sin, you can step out of it tonight in Jesus. You can step out of it tonight in Jesus. The second part says, let us throw off everything that hinders. And then the verse says, and the sin that so easily entangles us, which shows me that this is obviously two different things that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. He's talking about, yes, a sin that easily entangles us, but he's also talking about things that hinder us. And I would appeal to you tonight that there are good things in your life. There are good things in your life that are easily, that are hindering you, that are getting in your way for running full speed to what God has for you. There's good things, like making the basketball team or being on this club or hanging out with these people, it might be really good things, but I promise you it's hindering you from being where God wants you to be. And all we have to do is remove the O. All we have to do to remove the O because it might be a good G-O-O-D thing that you are having in front of you that you are doing, but I promise you when you remove the O, what it turns into is it's a G-O-D thing that happens in your life. So we can go from the good things to the God things. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live doing good things. I want to live my life doing God things. And unfortunately, it takes us getting the good things out of our way to get to the God things. So maybe God is stirring something up inside of you right now, and maybe he has put something on your mind right now. I would encourage you to really pray and think about the things which you are doing on a daily basis and say, hey, this might not be sin, because remember, this is different from sin. It might be okay for me. It might even be great for me. But is it what God wants me to do? Is it a God thing in my life? I've thought about this a lot over the next th last couple of days as I've studied this, and there has just been thing after thing in my life that has been a good thing that might not be a God thing. You know, when I started here at Second Baptist Church uh, about four and a half years ago, I, I came here thinking that I was going to travel the world and speak, that that was my goal. And I thought that was a really, really good thing. I thought that if I went around the world and taught people about Jesus and we saw life change happen, that it would be a really, really good thing. Little did I know that that, that good thing that I was aiming for was really in the way of getting to the God thing that I get to do now. See, you, you might not understand that because what I get to do now is I get to hang out with you people, but more not more importantly, equally importantly in my job is I get to help run and produce what happens here on Wednesday night. And I think that if I would have stuck with the good thing, I never would have got to the God thing. So let's get the good things out of our life, and let's get to the God things in our life. The verse continues, and it says, and let us run with the perseverance for the race marked out for us. I want you to be encouraged tonight. I don't want you to walk away beaten up. If the Holy Spirit does that, let him do it, because it's good for us. But, but I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to know that it let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run 
with perseverance for the race marked out for us, that there is a race for Christians that we are running together. And in a few weeks, we're going to talk about this us in a few moments. Or in a few weeks from now, we're going to talk about that us and how this room on Wednesday nights and the community that we have here on Wednesday nights and the friend groups that you have at school that believe in Jesus, how they contribute to our spiritual fitness and how there's good friends and there's bad friends and what happens when we deal with either. Hebrews 12, 2. And if you think I've started preaching, I really haven't yet, I promise, because this is what the message is about tonight. The first part of being spiritually fit is F, and it stands for fixed eyes. This first part of spiritual fitness is the letter F, and it stands for fixed eyes. And why do I say that? Because Hebrews 12, 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and scorning in its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And you might be like, why do you have a spoon? And this is an egg, but it's really shaped as a golf ball and looks like a golf ball, but it's an egg. Um, I don't know why you're laughing. This is an egg. Y'all can't see well in the front row, I guess. Should have moved you to the back. So you're like, why do you have an egg and a spoon? Because I don't know if you've ever been to family gatherings growing up or, or a barbecue or I don't know what y'all go to nowadays growing up with your family, but one of the things that we did, we would go to camp at my grandma's house, and I loved camp at my grandma's house. We got to sleep out in tents, which I think about now like I could have slept in a bed all those years, but I'm outside in a tent because it's cool, getting scared by bears that were my dad and my uncles probably, but I was scared a lot. But one of the things that we did at grandma's house at camp was we played this game uh, with an egg and a spoon, and you had to put the egg on the spoon, and you had to run, and they would create a line over here where you started, and you had to be the first one to get your egg wholly intact with the spoon to the other side. And I hated this game. Why? Because I'm competitive, and it's not fair because I'm 14, and my cousin is two, that he gets a hard-boiled egg that never breaks, and I get one. If it falls off, it breaks. That's not fair. I don't care that he's two. He's going to win, and I want to win. I'm just being real. Like, why? Because he's two. Does he get a hard but Like, this is an upward sports, okay? He, not everybody wins here, tell him. We need to teach him now that not everybody wins. Okay? That, that's how it is. If you go to upward sports, I love you, and I love upward sports, but it just works for my analogy because everybody wins. So I have nothing against upward sports. If I offended you, I'm sorry. Come back next week, and hopefully that person won't offend you. Um, I love you. I, I want you to know that I love you. If I, I do. So... So what we would do at grandma's house is we would put the egg on the spoon and we would begin to run. And my cousins always taught me, I don't know why I listened to them because they're trying to beat me at the game, but I'm taking my advice from them. Uh, they always taught me if I look at my destination that the egg will stay on the spoon and I can run as fast as I can and get to it as long as I never look at the egg. <laughs> like thinking about that now, like that is so dumb. Like why would I never look at the egg? So what I would do every year is I would just look straight ahead and I would never look at the egg and I would run as fast as I can and about three steps into it because it's hard and impossible, the egg would fall on the ground and crack and break. And then every once in a while you'd get lucky and the egg would fall on the ground and crack, but it wouldn't like break open so you could like hide it and put it back on. Like, so when you get to the finish line, the, the yolk is like in the spoon, but I'm like, I won still. But 
I don't know why I told you that. But the egg is on the spoon. And, I, and as I thought about this passage this week and the fixing our eyes on Jesus, I thought about the egg in the spoon because I think that that is what we do in life. I think we play the egg and spoon game a lot in life. And what we do is we get so focused on our destination that we're not worried about the egg. So maybe you're in high school and you're so focused on getting to freshman year of college that you're no longer, that you're so focused on college that you're not looking and fix your eyes on the egg. And the egg is Jesus. That's how I should have said it. You're so focused on college, but you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus. Or maybe you're a sixth grader and you're so ready to play seventh grade basketball. And you're so focused on training for basketball that you're so focused on your destination that you don't ever fix your eyes on Jesus. And then this is what happens. I brought a big spoon in case it fell off so I could, the analogy would still work. Um, but this is, this is what happens. As we live our lives fixed on the destination so much that I begin to run my race that God has marked out for me, and I begin to run and run and run, and what happens is maybe somehow the egg cracks somehow, but I get to the destination. My egg's probably way back there, and I step into the very thing that I wanted. For maybe some of you, that, high, that freshman year of college is what you're longing for, and you step into it, and you're not ready for it because you haven't been fixing your eyes on Jesus. You've been so fixed on the destination that you forgot about Jesus. So that is why I would guess that over 50% of people in this room, when you walk into college your freshman year, statistics would say that you're going to walk away or struggle with your faith your first year of college. That's what statistics say. Not I didn't say that. Statistics say that. And I just have to believe that maybe it's because we get our eyes so fixed on the destination that we forget about fixing our eyes on Jesus. And you see what happens when, when I would fix my eyes on the egg, when I would fix my eyes on the very thing that I'm supposed to be worried about, Jesus, I would begin to walk and to run to Jesus. And I would just be so focused on Jesus that I'm still moving forward. I'm still putting one foot in front of the other. And what happens is I would arrive at my destination, the finish line, and Jesus would be here with me. And my whole college experience would be different. Why? Because I have Jesus with me, that I'm not going to be one of the 50% that walk away. Why? Because I didn't worry about my destination. I worried about my relationship with Jesus. And I'm so worried about Jesus that I don't care what college I go to. I don't care what place I go to. I don't care if I make the basketball team. I don't care if I get to play in the band. I'm just worried about fixing my eyes on Jesus. Why? Because I believe Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith, and he's the one that changes us. It's not a basketball team. You're not going to become something because you made a basketball team. But I promise you that you will do great things for God when you fix your eyes on Jesus and he's the most important thing in your life. It will change you. Because how do I know that? Because it changed me. When I was your age, I was so fixed on all the things the world can have me. And then at the age of 18, I said, okay, God, I've done it my way. I've thought about my destination. I I've tried everything that I can try. And I said, God, maybe I'm going to try this. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. And you know what God's done? He's brought me here to say this to you, to say that a drug abusive, not wanting to be here, human being as a 17-year-old is now standing on a stage with the full confidence that Jesus Christ changed the life of people in not only my life, but he can do it in your life.
Jesus is where we need to fix our eyes if we're going to be spiritually fit. You're like, you're yelling a lot. I am because I'm fired up right now. This has been on my heart for a long time. I've been thinking about tonight. Why? Because I've been thinking about you. I haven't been thinking about me. You're like, you're so humble. No, 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 I'm, I'm being real. I haven't been thinking about me. I've been thinking about each one of you that sit in this room and, and imagine the things that would happen in our world today if each one of us decided, we all decided, hey, I'm not going to worry about my destination. I'm not going to worry about my end goal. I'm not worried about the job that I'm supposed to have or the income I'm supposed to make. But right now, I'm just going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to talk with Jesus. Why? Because I believe that Jesus will take care of the other things that that I don't need to worry about my destination because I'll fix my eyes so much on Jesus that when I get to my destination, I'll be able to stand up and say, man, I'm excited because God's got me here. I'm excited because God has got me here. Man, I'm sweating. I need a towel or something. And, and this comes from a a place, I think, in our society that we have built um, this idea, and I hope I say this in a way that you can understand and it lands on you, but I'm not saying this about anybody. I'm just speaking in general about people and Jesus and Christians in our world. I think that a lot of people, it's easy for us to get on our knees and say, Jesus, I need to be saved, but it's harder for people, and we, we, we struggle to say, hey, Jesus, I need you to save me. Not only do I need you to save me, though, I need you to be the Lord of my life. I need you to be the maintainer and the sustainer of my life. I need you to fill me every single day. It's easy for me to understand that I have an issue and I need to be saved from my issue, but it's difficult for me at times to say, okay, Jesus, now I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk, but now, actually, I know you saved me, but I want to do it my way and I want to figure out my path. See, it's hard. It's easy to say, yes, I need a Savior, but it's hard to say, hey, Jesus, will you be in charge of all of my steps? Would you guide my entire life? Would you, would you do everything in my life? See, I'm not just looking for a savior, and believe me, I need a savior, and I'm so thankful that Jesus died on a cross and rose again to save me from my sin, but I'm asking Jesus, hey, I can't do this without you. I don't, need a, I don't just need a savior, I need a maintainer. I need a maintainer. And the greatest part about this whole entire passage is that Jesus is not just the savior, but he is the maintainer. How do I know this? Because the verse continues on. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. You know what that means? It means the, the one who wrote, our, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's the one that the, was in the beginning and is in the end. He, he opened the faith and he closed the faith in the sense of, Jesus completed all of the things in his life that he needed to so that you and I could have a relationship with him and one day enter into heaven. He did it all. He started our faith and now he's ended our faith in the sense of he has completed our faith. And this gives me encouragement. Why? Because Paul in Philippians 1.6, he wrote this. And he said, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Maybe there's some people in here and God started something in your life when you were in seventh grade or in fourth grade or in third grade. And you're not really sure where it is anymore. And I'm here to tell you tonight that God, when he starts something, he finishes it. So if he started something in your life, he's going to finish it 
in your life. If he started you walking with Jesus, he's going to keep you and maintain you and sustain you so that you can finish walking with Jesus your entire life. Because the truth and the reality is that we don't know when the destination or the final point where it is or how far away it is. All we know is that we are promised this moment right now. I'm not promised tomorrow, so I'm not taking it for granted. I'm not taking it for granted. So he's the author and the perfecter. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And then he says this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I don't want to talk about uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's a Bible study, a message in itself. That verse, if we can dive into that on our own time, I mean, that verse will change your life. Just study in that verse. But I'm going to jump to the end here, and I think, Anthony, you can come if you want, buddy. It says, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, after he came to earth and he lived a sinless life, he never made a mistake. He never did anything wrong. Golf ball fell now. I'm sorry, Jesus. Um, <laughs> But remember I said he's the author, he's the finisher, he's the pioneer, he's the perfecter of our faith. It says that Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And you're like, Ryan, you're making a big deal out of something. He sat down. You know why? Because sitting down is such an important part of the story. Sitting down, you know what it does? It shows Jesus' posture. Never mind that he's at the right hand of God. Like, never mind the fact that God sits here and he sits here, but he sat down, and you know what he did? He took the posture of I'm finished, of I'm done, of the cross was good enough for each one of us. You know, you know what I think often happens at times that, that I should say in my mind? That 26, almost 27 years ago when Ryan Herzog was brought into the earth, when I was born, that... that that all the stuff that I had to do, sometimes I feel like Jesus, he was like, oh, crap, Ryan's here. I got to stand back up. I got to get back to work. I got to do more. This guy, my gosh, I got to do more to get him saved into heaven. No. After Jesus had died, went into a grave, and was erected on the third day, he sat down at the right hand of God, and he said, it's finished. It's done. I'm taking the posture that says no longer will anyone have to suffer eternally separated from me. All they have to do is accept the free gift of God, which is eternal life through the blood and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the truth is tonight that some of you, you need to sit down. You need to take the posture of I'm finished. I'm finished living my life for myself. I'm finished doing things my way. I'm finished of trying to work out everything and work my way to heaven and be good enough for heaven. No, you need to take the posture of your savior. You need to say, hey, I'm finished doing it my way. God, I believe that what you did on the cross is good enough for me. So all over this room, I believe that there's young people in here tonight. I believe you, there's people in this room, and I, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I know I'm speaking to someone, that tonight is your night to sit down. 
Tonight is your night to say, hey, I'm done doing it my way. I'm done trying to get back up. And believe me, there's, there's times in my life where I'm sitting down, and I'm like, God, I'm doing it your way. And then somehow I'll just wake up and I'll find myself up doing it all these different ways. But then I got to remind myself to sit back down. And maybe tonight for you, you need to sit down for the very first time. And all that means is that you're done doing life your way. You're done trying to figure it out. You're done. You're going to say, hey, Jesus, I want you not only to be the savior of my life, but I want you to be the Lord of my life.